All right. Good morning. It's great to see you all. There's lots of you this morning. Um, yeah, as Alistair said, I'm Caitlin, and I'm also one of the pastoral assistants here at Kingdom Vineyard. Um, Jim and Rachel, our senior pastors, are away this week, and they left the interns in charge. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, quite, I have quite a lot to say this morning, so I'm just going to um, crack right on with it. Um, in Jim's sermon last Sunday, we heard about how Paul went and visited the churches that he had just planted to build them up and to encourage them. Today we're going to remind ourselves where we are in Paul's third missionary journey, um, so, and we'll read Paul's last meeting with the Ephesian leaders. In my research for this morning, I discovered there's a chance Paul actually did go back to Ephesus after this. Um, But at this point, he really believed this was going to be his last face-to-face with these leaders. So we're essentially reading the content of his final leaders meeting with the church in Ephesus. And also a fun fact I learned this week, this is the only recorded preach of Paul's in Acts to Christians. So just a couple things to bear in mind as we read the passage. I'm just going to invite Hector up to come and read for us this morning. It's just that mic. Good morning. The passage this morning is Acts 20, verse 13 to 38. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, and the day after that, we went to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious as myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day 
to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all these things and all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these, th- these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. They would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Thank you. That's great. Okay. We're going to start by having a little look at a map um, so we can visualize where we are. So, Paul's been visiting different churches and now he is heading back towards Jerusalem. Um, so, first, the group set off from Assos, which I, there it is there. Got one of these fun laser things. <laughs> and then from there, they meet up with Paul and they go to Mytilene, which is just here, and then to Chios, to Samos, and then they skip past Ephesus and go into Miletus here. So they're just traveling this way and heading over here. Um, so yeah, that's where we are. It's interesting that Paul sailed past Ephesus and then invited the leaders of the church to come and meet him in Miletus. We heard in a recent passage that there'd been a bit of an uproar in Ephesus. Um, So it's likely that Paul just skipped past them to avoid getting drawn into some time-consuming conflict, like starting another riot. Um, However, Paul did meet with the leaders, so we have no doubts that he really did care for the church in Ephesus. So before we dig into the meat of today, I want to share with you what my main point of the morning is. It is... We need to take responsibility for and ownership of our own relationship with Jesus. There's so much good stuff that we can take away from Paul's parting speech to the Ephesian leaders, but this is what stuck out to me, and I see it in a few places in the passage. I really think this is the main thing that we should take away today. We need to take responsibility for and ownership of our own relationship with Jesus. We're going to go through Paul's speech in the order he gave it in, so I'll come back to it properly later. So in the first part of Paul's speech to the Ephesian elders, he gives a bit of a testimony reminding the leaders of what he modeled for them. In verse 18, he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you, implying they already know the example that he has set and the way that he modeled serving Jesus. In the vineyard, we have a little saying, caught more than taught, meaning we believe values and practices are often caught by being around the people who carry them and who are set an example more than they are taught through directive teaching. If you want to know how to worship, then yes, listen to teaching on worship, but even better, get around people who worship. If you want to learn how to do prayer ministry, then yes, absolutely read up on prayer ministry. And then even better, get around people who are doing it, and so on and so forth. 
But don't hear that we don't value teaching. Of course we do. If we didn't, I wouldn't be standing here. <laughs> so I have five things to pull out from Paul's model from what he says in verses 18 to 24. And they are humility, vulnerability, teaching, following the Holy Spirit, and self-sacrifice. So firstly, humility. That's verse 18 to 19. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. Generally speaking, I don't think we have a great view of humility. We often think and act like humility is thinking less of yourself. We minimize what is good about ourselves and we focus on all the areas that need improving. It is not prideful to agree with the good things that God sees in us. And it is not humble to dismiss those good things or to pretend that they're not there. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but knowing who you are in the light of who God is. This means being honest before God about who we are and all we are, the good and the broken. Serving the Lord with all humility is serving him as we are, knowing our gifts and knowing our gaps, not being boastful about our strengths and not disqualifying ourselves because of our weakness. It's serving God with a trust and confidence in him. Second is vulnerability. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. Brenny Brown describes vulnerability as the core of shame and fear, but also the birthplace of joy and creativity and of belonging. Vulnerability opens us up to experience the full spectrum of emotion, the deepest pain and the most profound joy. Vulnerability is where we can fully meet God because it is the place where our walls come down to let God come in. And because of that, it is where true discipleship can happen. And when leaders show vulnerability, as Paul did, the rest of us can see them as they are, accessible, approachable, human, and it allows us to develop a trust in them and a desire to follow them. There's power in vulnerability. Number three, teaching. So verse 20 says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. When I think of the phrasing of shrinking from doing something, I think of curling up into myself in an attempt to disappear from whatever it is that Jim wants me to do next that I don't particularly want to do <laughs> because it's uncomfortable and it's hard. So here I read Paul saying, I never hid from doing anything helpful. I never avoided proclaiming the message to you, even when it was tough and challenging. I'm thankful that I can say that in this church, I really don't think the preachers shrink from teaching the hard stuff. You can just listen to Jeremy's talk from a few weeks ago on idolatry or a finance update could be so easy to brush over the topic of money and money as an idol. But I think our preachers are faithful in sharing all that is helpful for relationship with Jesus. And if we're going to take our relationship with Jesus seriously, this is a really good principle. 
Number four, following the Holy Spirit. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Another translation uses captive by the Spirit. Paul captive by the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit into an unknown situation, except that the Holy Spirit has tipped him off that it's not going to be that fun. I read this, and honestly, not particularly enamored with the idea of following the Holy Spirit into hardship. Following him into good and wonderful things, sign me up. But imprisonment and a persecution, I'm just not so sure. But this is a model that we are set. To follow the Holy Spirit wherever he leads us, with confidence that it's where we need to go. And my, what a challenge. Are we willing to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he leads us? And not just when it seems good and fun, but into places that appear hard. If God is the good father that we sing about, and if it is him leading us somewhere, then he's doing so for a loving reason. I may not feel full of joy at this idea, but I am convinced that it's the best way. Self-sacrifice. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of his grace. Finally, Paul's model is one of self-sacrifice. Paul could have given up. I'm pretty sure there are ways he could have just gone and worked and lived a relatively peaceful life. But instead, he sacrificed a comfortable life for imprisonment and affliction so that he could complete the mission that the Lord set for him to preach the gospel of Jesus. Paul's model of following Jesus is one of humility, vulnerability, teaching, of following the Holy Spirit, and of self-sacrifice. And this is his parting gift to the Ephesian leaders a recap of the model he set for them. Put another way, Paul is saying, follow Jesus like I follow Jesus, and if you do that, you'll be fine. But if not, well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Follow Jesus like I follow Jesus, and you'll be fine. But if not, well, I'm not responsible for the life of any of you. You cannot hold me responsible for your faith, because I have given you everything you need. I have modeled what it looks like to follow Jesus, and I have declared everything to you, the whole of God's teachings. 
Remember, this is Paul's last time with these leaders. He's assuming he won't see them again. So I was thinking about, would I say this? It's rather bold. <laughs> Could you imagine if when I leave in the summer, this is how I address my home group? Right, friends, it's been fun, but I've done all I can. I have shared with you the entirety of God's wisdom. <laughs> and I have shown you what it looks like living it out myself. So it's not my fault if you mess it up. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable even just thinking about saying something like that. But to our leaders, if we cannot say this to our home groups, have we served them properly? And for all of us, have we modeled what a relationship with Jesus looks like? And have we not shied away from sharing anything that we have that is profitable in furthering our group's relationship with the Lord? I can only hope that when I walk away from my group in the summer, I can honestly be able to say I've done everything I can. But you know, I really think Paul has a good point here because we can model and we can teach how to do life with Jesus the best we possibly can. But at some point, each person has to make the decision to get on and do it. This was one of the things I personally took away from Jim's first talk of the year. There are no plus ones in our relationships with God. That's why Paul's words here that could seem a little harsh, a little uncaring at first glance, are anything but that. He wanted each member of this church to know that they had to make this choice for themselves, that he couldn't do it for them. At some point, each of us has to make the transition from a listener to an opter-in. James in his book tells us, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Let us not be a group of people who hear the word only. Let us be doers. Let us be people of integrity. Verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Paul has laid out his model and he has boldly declared that it is not on him if things go badly now. And now he turns to instruction. So pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Or, as the official Toby translation would say, look after yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
Look after yourselves and look after yourselves first. It is so, so important to look after your own spiritual, emotional, and physical self. And really, these things are just one big feedback loop. When one thrives, the others tend to, too. Today, I'm focusing on the spiritual, because it's what I feel God wants to say to us. But I want to highlight that I don't think the others are of any lesser importance. To look after your spiritual self is to look after your relationship with Jesus and take ownership of it. Again, pointing back to Jim's first sermon of the year, it's just not possible for us to write off the person next to us' relationship with Jesus. We can kind of do it for a while. We can fake it, and we can even fake it pretty well, but it won't last. Writing on someone else's relationship with Jesus is like sitting next to them while they're eating a really nice pizza and you're left with the leftover crusts that have gone cold, hard, and dry. It's entirely unsatisfying and unfulfilling. But if you invest in your relationship with Jesus, you get a feast. And I know which one I would prefer. Something that has always stuck with me since I've been in leadership is what I was taught about what pastoring people is. It is getting close to Jesus and helping others to do the same. It is looking after yourself and the flock. And honestly, I think that often the best way you can look after others is to look after yourself. And Brenny Brown in her TED Talk on the power of vulnerability said, we cannot practice compassion to others without first treating ourselves kindly. So second, look after the flock. This is not just for leaders to do. We all have people that we oversee or have some pastoral input into. So who are those people for you? Who has God put into your care? Our structural or pastoral care here at Kingdom Vineyard means that if you are in a home group, you at least have that group of people who you oversee. Because yes, we have home group leaders, but pastoral care happens within the group first. We pastor each other. It is the job of the members of my home group to pastor me almost as much as it's my job to pastor them. And what a joy that we get to look after each other that we get to encourage one another like Jim spoke about last week. Yes, my main point today is to take ownership and responsibility of our own relationship with Jesus, but we get to walk out what that looks like together and encourage each other in it. Can I also just take a moment to say that if you count yourself as part of this church and are not in a home group, can I lovingly encourage you to get in one? They are our main point of pastoral care for this church and where we get to figure out how to do this stuff. So one final thought on this. Please do not use helping other people as a way of escaping yourself and your needs. It isn't helpful to you and it certainly isn't helpful to the people you're trying to help. 
There is a reason that looking after yourself comes first. So as they say during the security procedures on an airplane, fix your own oxygen mask first before assisting those around you. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul is saying, I'm not going to be here to keep teaching you, to keep looking after you, and things aren't always going to be rosy. So I give you to God, I entrust you to him and to the message of his grace. We are so lucky that we have an actual book with his message in it. We have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit, the helper, that are able to build us up and encourage us and give us everything we need to receive the inheritance that is promised to us. So even better than listening to me, or any one of the other preachers speak on a passage, is pressing into it yourself. I'm confident that it will grow your personal relationship with Jesus exponentially. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This ending, it's sad and it's beautiful. Paul has just delivered a whopper of a challenge, but they parted having all prayed together and weeping out of sorrow for not seeing each other again. This says a lot about the relationship between Paul and the Ephesian leaders. They must have had some real respect and love for Paul and his leadership to have such an affectionate response despite the soul prodding of the message. Ultimately, I think they understood that it all came from a place of love and care for the Ephesian church. Paul genuinely wanted to see them do well in their relationship with Jesus. Paul's parting preach was preparing his people to do Jesus' loving life without him. It's a good lesson that we can all do with hearing and opting into, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time. There's loads in this passage, and there's meat to chew on for days that I didn't even touch. But like I said in the beginning, and I'll say now again at the end, the challenge I think God has for us today through Paul's message to his church in Ephesus back then, is we need to take responsibility for and ownership of our own relationship with Jesus. We need to develop a relationship that is ours, that is not just piggybacking off the person next to us. 
This means not just listening to what other people have to say about the Bible, but digging into it for ourselves. Not just asking for prayer from other people, but getting on our knees ourselves. This relationship with Jesus, like any other, is one that needs looking after and needs nurturing. And we need to make the decision to do it. But I can say that I'm so thankful that we get to figure it all out together in a community and as part of a loving family. So why don't you stand with me? We're just going to move into a time of prayer ministry. We're going to continue to worship um, as we do that. I just want to invite you to come and take a step forward if anything um, from this morning, from what I've said or from during the worship, anything that God's been speaking to you about, just invite you to come forward and receive some prayer ministry for it. If you are uncertain about how to actually start in this taking ownership of your relationship with God, if you feel like you really want it, but you don't know how to do it. And I just invite you to come forward and members of our home group will come and pray for you. So Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you that you long for us to be in relationship with you and that whenever we take the step forward, you're right there waiting. So would you come again now? Would you come even more and fill this place with your presence? Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.